I mean, I come from a family of um, of addiction. Um, uh, there's been some, I mean, across the board in my father's side, heroin addiction, uh, alcohol, all sorts of drugs, same-sex relationships, um, incest, suicide, um, um, from only one, two generations away, that came from my father's side, um, prison sentences, violence, um, all sorts of uh, bizarre um, situations. So we had that, my father was a career criminal and um, at the tender age of, of when I was six, I'd been used to living in the council flats in South East London. Uh, my dad was out of South London. My mother was also a South uh, London lady, but their sort of heritage, they was um, involved with uh, flower selling and things like that, but both sort of Londoners. But my, my mother's side, they was more like they would, they liked to drink, but it was more controlled. It was sort of more of a social event. Um, whereas my father's side, it was always dramatic drama. So I got brought up in that environment where alcohol was ready available. And then my father sort of, I think he wanted to make our lives different. So as well as you know, being either addicted to whatever you're addicted to, you think a change of scenery will change the way you feel, but it's not necessarily how it is. The baggage is within, the, the damage is within. So we're either, whether we're born as addicts or, or, or whatever the terminology is, wherever, wherever I went, I took my addict with me. So it was down in New Malden, it was not nice schools, and, um, but it was very, very different. So there was, that, there was that sort of thing with the addict that started to grow in me, was different lifestyles. It, it, and, and the only thing I was good at was, was, was like my rugby and my football and my swimming. So I managed to fit in, but I started to realize I didn't really fit in. And at the age of 11, I started drinking. Um, I, started, I started thieving, I started stealing. Uh, by the ages of um, 14, um, I started drinking more and I started to use drugs by when I was 16. I didn't do very well in school. Crime was knocking on the door. Um, I sort of learned because I, I was a bit of a big boy that I could have a fight. Um, so that, that came with being a criminal. I, I learned that I could steal things and get away with them. Um, and so that's why I know that the, the, the formulation of my character, there was no way was I led to criminal activities. In fact, I was led away from them. I, I was fully aware of it. I'd seen very violent situations growing up. Um, which I, I, I don't think my dad was pleased that I saw, and it, was, it wasn't by, it was by error that I saw all this stuff. But the addictions for me are not what you use, it's what you do. It's like whether it's boo, alcohol, drugs, um, whatever it is that you choose to be addicted to, gambling, it, it's the ism that dwells within, which is, becomes apparent in, in, in how you behave. Um, and so, born with it um, and, 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 and I think my dad could see that so he was very stringent, he was very tough with me. We didn't get on from a very young age and I started to really dislike him. I didn't like him. I did What I could see in him, I suppose I could see in myself and I, and, and, and I didn't like it. Uh, and we managed to become criminals together but I went off and done my own thing and, and then once I'd got into it, like the, the, the light had come on, I was a criminal. 
But my dad was one of the biggest drug smugglers here in the UK, long before I, I, I was involved. Had a good reputation, as reputation goes. So I was sort of thrown into this criminal fraternity. Uh, and, I, and, at the, and when I was 20, I remember going into a nightclub and, 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 and someone got murdered in there in front of me. Uh, and there was every known villain in, in, in London at the time there, way beyond my sort of remit of, of villains. Uh, and, and a guy got killed in front of me and, and my dad was involved, not with a killing. Uh, and I got involved in this, in this affray where it, it, was, it was like gangs meeting. So it does, it's real, all that gang fighting, it's real. So I witnessed that at 1920. The fella died on my car. So you start to think, so the, I'm beginning to absorb this addict, being, beginning to absorb what it needs to be fed on. And it, and it, and it, and it put its hat on, um, on crime, women and drugs. From the ages of five to 10, um, it was a lady in my family, a relation, uh, sexually abused me. Um, and so, you know, I, I was in denial about it for years, but it was a reality, it happened. I mean, it wasn't regular, but it still happened. And, and it opened the, 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 the entrance. I believe it opened the, a force of, of badness that, that I grew. So I became that impregnation of, of, of sex at a very tender age, give me a huge sort of distortion about what love was about, you know, what women were about. And it plagued me, it really got me. And, and it manifested itself early days, but as, it, as I got older, because I, I think it was untreated and it wasn't looked upon and I, and I used to hide it. Um, it was like using drugs really, or drink. It was, the, it was always in the dark, it was always secretive, it was the wanting and the getting, uh, and, it, and a distortion in the mind that, and I'll be honest with you, I hated it. But it still had a voice, it still had an excitement, it still had a, let's live on the edge, you know. Uh, and and, I, and I, I think I lost all sort of common sense around that sort of, that addiction. But you know, any addiction, you, I think you lose common sense, goes out the window, doesn't it? So that, that played an effect on me in, in uh, commitment, uh, made me very dishonest, fed the, fed the illness incredibly. Uh, so I, I, I went into crime, yeah, and um, my dad being a criminal, I, 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 he, he didn't take me with him straight away. So I, I accessed my own sort of fraternity of people and I got very addicted to the money and I started to save at a very young age, actually. I, I, I could save and um, my, dad, my dad just let me get on with it. My mum was a bit upset. And then the drugs started to come in because I had the money to buy them. So I started buying cannabis uh, and cocaine was the, was the in thing. We was all sort of going out, nicking money and, and being in nightclubs. It was quite trendy over here. Uh, and, and then so I started to realise that you could earn money out of drugs. So I've got a few addictions going on. There's women, drugs and cash. Very dangerous, you know, very, very dangerous. Uh, and then violence came in a little bit, but that wasn't my, f I didn't like that. I'd seen the guy get murdered and I think that frightened me. Um, very violent murder that was. So flunking at school, all that stuff, the crime, the sex, 
the sex stuff, the abuse. You know, I was a kid. It piled on me. And the void inside of me that needed to be fed was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the heart and the, uh, uh, it was getting smaller and smaller. And then the mind started to get distort. And I got to hate myself. Um, and then uh, we progressed. I'd done, a, I'd done my, um, my, my early crime. I'd done my apprenticeship in crime. And uh, I got, when I got to about 24, 25, I mean, it was a big crime I was involved with. I can't tell you about it because I never got arrested for it. Uh, but but it, it, it changed the drug scene in London. But it, it also made me very unwell. It, it made me very, very unwell. Uh, and so I was sitting there at 24, 25, and completely gone. It was from, it was from the head that I used to speak. This was numb. I I I I abused myself and other people so much, but I still looked right. I looked like a gangster, a villain's son. I had the scars in the right place. The voice was deep enough. My shoulders were big enough, but I was gone completely. I had all the nice things, but I had nothing. I was I was soulless, and the only way I could connect to my own reality that I'd created in my life, in my own madness, was by being stoned. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. There was no... By this time, I'd had three beautiful children. Well, no, at the time, I'd only had two. I, I've now got four children. And they were so beautiful to look at, like all our children are. And I was connecting spiritually, I believe, because I've always had a, some sort of strange faith in a higher power. But I couldn't tangibly do what a dad had to do. So I, I bought their friendship. I bought their, their attention. I bought their whatever I had to buy. We talk about loving sin. I hated sin because I didn't like... The reality was I didn't like what it was doing to me. I couldn't get out of it. I was completely and utterly gone. So the spirit in me must have been there, to, I, I should be dead. Categorically, I, should, I shouldn't be here. And, and, and so the criminal side took over because when I was doing crime, I couldn't get drunk or stoned. There was a reason for me not to use. Good reasons. Uh, the, 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 the level of criminality that I got involved with was very, very serious. You'd lose your life or, or your money or you go to prison for a long time. Uh, and thank God I went to prison for a long time, or supposedly a long time, and I didn't lose my life. When we was working and I couldn't get stoned, it was difficult for me because I had this void, this, this, this gap that I needed to fill. And I'd hurt so many people. And yet, I don't know, the people loved me, I suppose, because there was another side of me that I didn't even recognise anymore that was, that was functioning because it had learned to function. So that was that, and, uh, and then I started to, um, then I had a tragic death. I, I, I had my brother who, who, who died very tragically in, when I was in southern Spain. And the violence was still actively around me. And then when he died, that was it. The bit I had left in here had gone. So I functioned like I was a raving lunatic. I was embarrassed, I was ashamed. 
And then, you know, that attire becomes you're ashamed. So you act out shamefully all the time, but in secret. Uh, and so I'd learned to be who you wanted me to be. I'd learned that, that you could have that mask. And I couldn't wait to get away from you. Not because I didn't like you, because I didn't want you to realise what was really going on. So I became, I adopted my dad's principles and I became a, a good drug smuggler, if there is a good drug smuggler. Uh, and I got arrested after all the carnage um, of, they say at the time it was the biggest importation of cannabis here in the UK. Um, and it, it, they don't even really know what it was all about. It was the tip of the iceberg. It was a massive, massive story. It wasn't my story, I was part of it. But the crazy addict was in it. <sighs> Arrested in Exeter Prison, completely and utterly broken. I was 34 years of age, or 33 years of age. And I'd had 20, not as long as, yeah, maybe 20 mad years. So getting arrested with a gun pointed at me head, I was looking up at the sky and I, and I can remember sort of being pleased. It's over, it's done. Uh, a, a frightened addict went into prison, um, full of the isms. I remember one night I was in my prison cell and there was a guy there, he, 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 was, a, he, he was a lifer. That means he was doing life, obviously. Uh, and, he, and he'd done 20 years, this, this old boy. Nice old boy, can't remember his name though. And I was sitting in my cell with a big joint in my mouth. Then he come in and he said to me, there's only one person you've got to get on with in this prison. Straight away the pride, the ego come up. Well, who's that then, mate? He said, it's yourself. And when the door closed, I knew that I didn't get on with Michael. I had panic attacks in there. Uh, my dad was smoking cannabis with me in there. And I, had, I wasn't with the mother of my children. I'd, I'd, I'd married another girl, and a, an Italian lady. So there's all that, it's all chaos, it's all mad. So there was a Bible in my, in my room uh, and I, I was so frightened that I picked up this Bible and I started reading stuff about, not suicide, but mental stuff and mental illnesses and this and that and that and blah, 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 dysfunctional relationships. And, and I could have read every one of them, to be honest with you. And I remember reading the Word of God and, and something changed in me slightly. And then I remember one day I was sitting on the bed in my prison cell, reading the mail on Sunday. And, um, and there was a picture of this, this church with queues and queues of people. And I thought, that's where Daniela's going. So I went down to the chaplain and said to the chaplain, you know this church in the newspaper, Revival, there's the Toronto Blessing. I said, oh, that's where Daniela's going. And he was so excitable, Bill. Ooh. So I got on the phone I said, I took the phone off the chaplain in the nick. <laughs> and I phoned up, it was four or five o'clock Sunday afternoon, and I get through to Gumball, Nicky Gumball. Oh, hello. And it's me on the end, hello, me. You know. And uh, he said, oh, I've heard about you and all that through your wife or Daniela, blah, blah, blah. And um, he, he sent the team down. So that was the embryo stage of, of my faith sort of kicking into gear uh, and, and a team came down from this from the church and then something wonderful happened to me um, they called upon the Holy Spirit and um, I got profoundly touched by the living God 
and in a way that I couldn't walk away. And I'll tell you what I got from it, mate, to be honest with you, was I got a, a, a tear film with me eye, but I got that word hope. It doesn't have to be like this no more. And I grabbed it, uh, and the spirit came alive in me. Some healings went on, some, some life-changing experiences for very, very broken people. And one of them was me dad, because he got 12 and a half years from, with me for this crime. Uh, and he got touched by the spirit of God. And <laughs> I won't tell you what they said, bless his heart. But it, it, was super, it was too much spiritually for us to sort of understand mentally. But the void, the pain, the drugs, the women, the sex abuse, that the crime had created inside Michael was touched. And it felt loved and it felt okay. And, and because it felt right inwardly, the noise in the head started to slow down. The constant paranoias, the, the constant fears, the constant uh, mad faults. And I've messed up, big time. Do you know what I mean? Messed up like, a lot Bambi on ice. <laughs> I wasn't like onward Christian soldiers and I've got it all sorted. Far from it. But in his patience and his grace and in his mercy, he's continued to work for me. So the great things that Jesus has done for me, it, it, there, there's, there's a number of them. But the one thing that I'm very grateful for what Jesus has done for me is the healing in my mind. It's how I think today. Uh, attached to the mind and the inner peace that I don't always get it. Listen, I still want to chin the parking ticket wall and kick the cat. I'm no angel, but there's a change that I like. And I do believe it's now how he begins to heal the mind and the spirit and the soul. And I'm not trying to be like perfect over spiritual, but I think it's made me more coherent more more patient and and just to live a life that I can sort of enjoy without being how I used to be. That's it really mate. Amen.